Hello, Assalamualaikum everybody. Hope you're all safe, sound and healthy. And right now, although I'm actually seething and boiling over from all the different political stunts pulled by the illegal government that has been backed and financed so obviously by the US and the co-conspirator of the UK as the wait in bated breath uh, for, uh, you know, the situation to unveil to their liking so that they can once again take control. So, but enough about that at the moment because now I'm not actually going to talk about that. I'm going to talk about Jemima Khan's movie that took 10 years basically to get to where it is now, where it is finally released and that is What's Love Got to Do With It? Now, um, do bear in mind that I actually love the woman, okay? I totally, totally adore the woman and I think she is amazing. So I have no, uh, I have nothing against her or her movie and all. As a screenwriter and as a novelist myself, I know the importance of uh, the twists in terms of plot and arcing and all. And I love the fact that she's actually trying to give a positive view on, uh, and she's actually trying to challenge the Western hypocritical view of Islam and uh, Muslim culture and all. But there is one thing that I see, it seems that I guess, I don't know if, she really intended for that or if she didn't because everybody seems to be again taking the message from there that you know the islamic culture of arranged marriages well that is where you're wrong you see you need to understand that the christian culture was of arranged marriages even the jews had arranged marriages arranged marriage was actually stopped in islam by islam the prophet broke all those marriages that were arranged by parents Bear that in mind. You need to understand that, okay? Understand that first. Here is the core issue here. In Islam, arranged marriages have no place. In Islam, parents are supposed to act as mediators, okay? So parents in Islam are mediators and you have witnesses. But the contract is between the man and the woman who are supposed to get married and in that contract, the man and the woman are supposed to get to know each other first properly, but again with uh, witnesses around them. So basically the whole point is that the man and the woman are allowed to court each other, but keeping within the realms of decency. So, for example, again, here, let me remind you, the first wife of the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, Hazrat Khatija, she proposed to the Prophet, remember she was... Uh, twice widowed and she was an extremely powerful businesswoman and she had employed the prophet to manage her business and when she saw that uh, uh, that he was such an honest man and that he was uh, such a hard-working man and he's such a diligent man she fell in love with him and she went to his uncle remember she was also older than him in age uh, and she was his superior, as in she was the owner of the business and he was her employee. Now, she went to his uncle to propose, okay, to ask for his hand in marriage, basically, okay? And these two were considered as the, as lovebirds once they got married, um, because when the prophet agreed to get married to her, when they both got married, um, their marriage was iconic, uh, it was said that the Prophet has, has loved only two women, really, to this extent. One was Hazrat Khatija, and after that it was Hazrat Aisha. And he never uh, married, uh, uh, you know, as long as he had Khatija. It was only after she died that he married again. 
they were so close and she was his confidant and she advised him whenever he needed advice and he advised her when she needed advice and they worked together both on home chores and outside so they were true partners in life okay so the whole concept in islam of marriage is that it should not and cannot be arranged and when we talk about arranged marriages the reason i'm saying that is because in our culture which is mind you not islamic we may be muslims we may call ourselves muslims this may be a muslim country but our culture is essentially steeped in hindu culture as well as colonial culture you need to understand that most of the muslim countries today have this problem where they were steeped in colonialism so a lot of the islamic rules and laws that were borrowed that they are actually borrowed and followed properly by the western countries uh, are no longer being followed properly by the muslim countries themselves post colonial period okay and so this is one of the setbacks of colonialism is that the concept of arranged marriages that that steeped and was predominant uh before the islamic empire uh you know it it sort of came back you know so yeah no in islam there is no place for arranged marriage and again as i said in our culture the reason why we say arranged marriage because in our culture the hindu the christian or the or the colonial uh, form of arranged marriage was the, the the woman and the man they never actually even met each other and the parents decided the wedding and they decided everything and the first day would actually see each other's faces was on your wedding day this is explicitly not allowed in islam in islam you have to meet each other prior to the wedding you have to talk to each other so that you can see if you can really live together so that you know how your minds if your minds are in sync or not this is a priority in islam in, in islam it is extremely necessary for you to understand if you can actually live a life together as for that purpose as many conversations and as many meetings as need to be have had they need to be had okay after these conversations are had when you are 100% sure that yes you can think of each other um as life partners that is when you then tell your parents who are your mediators to mediate on your behalf uh you know concerning the whole marriage scenario as in the 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 whole setting of the date and finalizing of the contract and everything so this is how a marriage is done in islam and the prophet when whenever he found out uh, about marriages that were done solely by the parents in which the even if the girls declared that they were happy after marriage the prophet still declared that marriage null and void okay and he said if you're happy you can might as well just get married again properly because islamically you're not married islamically your consent wasn't asked for you did not consent to the marriage it was your parents who did it for you on your behalf so this marriage is not valid in islam so technically in islam you're not married so you need to get married to the man if you're happy with him properly islamically of purely of your own consent so he nullified and rendered void all those marriages in which the consent of the girl or the boy as but especially the girl was not asked because it's always the girl isn't it the guy even then has a say but the girl is the one who never has the say so 
this is basically how marriage is conducted in Islam, and this is how important it is in Islam. Uh, this this is where arranged marriage, the status of arranged marriage, rests in Islam. It has no place in Islam. Okay, so we need to first just you know demythify this because I am I'm, I'm pretty fed up of explaining this over and over again. In Islam, there is no such thing as an arranged marriage. This is your culture. This is your colonial culture or your prehistoric culture, pre-Islamic culture, whatever you like to call it, but it has nothing to do with Islam. Okay, so please let us get that straight. So again, if Jemima Khan was trying to actually explain that, uh, I don't know, but if she also ex uh, accepted it as, yes, yes, this is part of the Islamic culture representation, then, oh, Slight correction there, Jemima Khan, but I'm sure that's not where she's coming from. I think she just wanted to show the culture of Pakistan. And yes, this is our culture, but it has nothing to do with Islam. Okay. The fact that we seem to bring our culture and prioritize our culture over Islam, that is the whole point here, actually, that should be made. The fact that our society is so hypocritical that when it suits them, they bring Islam. And when it suits them, they just throw away Islam and bring in culture and they justify themselves. And, you know, in the Quran, in Surah Al-Baqarah, which is the first real chapter of the Quran, or actually the second chapter of the Quran, the first being Surah Al-Fatiha. So uh, in Surah Al-Baqarah, you know, God starts off by mocking and taunting man for this exact same thing, that you blindly follow your forefathers. And when you're asked why, you say, oh, because our forefathers did it. He's talking about culture. So God is mocking us for blindly following traditions and cultures that have no rhyme or reason. We never even bother to question them. And even if we do question them, we're answered with, oh, it's our culture. And so we have to blindly go with it. Islam came to break that culture. It came to challenge that tradition. It came to force us to ask questions. Okay. That is why God keeps on and on saying throughout the Quran, read, observe, understand, explore, learn, over and over again, read, observe, understand, explore, learn, look for the signs, look at the signs, look around you. In other words, travel for crying out loud, expand your horizons, read as much as you can. As the prophet said, uh, attaining education is an obligation for every single man and woman in Islam. Okay, so he said, Travel all the way to China if you have to, to gain that knowledge, to get that education. This is how important education is in Islam. This is how important it is for God. Because when God made man and the angels and the jinn, uh, when they they kept on asking God, why have you created this fitna on earth? I mean, this, this, this thing is going to do nothing but create chaos on earth. Why did you create this thing anyway? And God said, you don't know what I know. And then God basically stood Adam up and asked him different questions, and he answered. And the fact that Adam was able to answer questions to which he had no prior knowledge just by seeking, observing, understanding, calculating. And God said, this is the secret behind mankind. This is what makes mankind who and what it is. This is what makes mankind powerful. This is what makes mankind the greatest of all species. The ability to learn from nothing and nowhere. The ability to expand your knowledge. The ability to observe, learn, calculate, recalculate. 
basically to use our brains okay so let us please use our brains let us observe let us understand let us study let us get information let us verify facts and then let us talk about arranged marriages or any such things and see if it really is a part of islam or not okay so i hope that that has made has been made clear because seriously if i'm going to have to explain this whole concept all over again it's like explaining the concept of the burqa again please let me repeat that too before anybody begins on that in islam women are not supposed to cover their faces okay this covering of the face thing this is an arab culture thing it has nothing to do with islam okay it's it it, it starts pre-islam okay it's 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 been in their culture before even islam entered into the arabian states so understand that also that the concept of parda in islam is dressing modestly which means covering your head and covering your body in such a way where nobody can see through, okay? In other words, nobody can see through your hair and nobody can see through your body. So basically, if I wear any dress, any dress in the world, as long as it covers me modestly and adequately, it's an Islamic dress. As long as I cover my head, that is parda. As long as I'm dressing, dressing modestly, that is parda. Okay, I'm not supposed to cover my face, first of all. Do you know that when you have to go for pilgrimage, you are not allowed to cover your face? And that is when you're in the purest state, you know. When we go for pilgrimage, we're supposed to be in the purest state, right, as demanded by Islam. And women are not supposed to cover their faces in that purest state. So yes, covering a face, not in Islam. And Arabian culture think that they passed on to the other countries that they ruled over, okay? So, in fact, in India, when it was ruled over by the Muslims, the tradition of burqa was so common amongst the uh, the rulers and then on to the, the Muslims. And then it became such a convenient use that even the non-Muslim women used to use it a lot, especially the Sikh women. They were known to use burqas a lot, too. Now, can you ask them if it is in the Sikh religion to wear burqas? So they were not Muslims. Why were they wearing burqas? Okay. It's just something that becomes a part of your culture and your tradition that you take over from the people who ruled over you. Just like how the concept of arranged marriage is, is something that has come from our forefathers and our culture that predates Islam. And then it was reinforced by the British, who again had the same medieval practices. So let us not just embark on that blindly, please. Let us please do our proper due diligence. Um, let us do uh, our, you know, let us actually study on the subject, do some research before we talk about something that has nothing to do with us. And in that case, I'm talking about you people, that it has nothing to do with you. It has a lot to do with me because I'm a Muslim. So I actually know what I'm talking about here. Okay, so this is me signing out. Take care. Ciao. Khuda Hafiz.